Good morning, everyone. It is great to see all of you here today. Uh, today is an exciting Sunday, as you've heard, as we share in baptisms, uh, and it being Palm Sunday as well. I do want to echo some of the announcement for next week for Easter, uh, just by way of reminder that Good Friday is a communion service. So uh, as we gather together with Berea Baptist, we will share together in communion. Uh, Good Friday typically has that tone of reverence, uh, yes, a little, a little bit of mourning to it, although we know the outcome. Uh, but we still carry that sort of tone. Uh, it's the one Sunday or the one service of the year that my good friend John is truly happy with me uh, because it's the time I wear a tie. Uh, so please don't panic when you see me wearing a tie next week. It's Good Friday, and so that's what we do. Uh, but if you come back on Sunday, I won't have a tie because Sunday is a time of celebration. Uh, it's a time of joy. And as you heard, next weekend, we have a couple of programs for children as well, and that will include the Sunday morning. And so I do warn you, in that spirit of celebration for a few minutes during the worship time, it's going to be a little bit chaotic in here, uh, but I can promise you, and I will explain it next week, there is a spiritual reason for the chaos, and so we can join together in celebration. I'm excited for the Sunday thereafter. So the Sunday after Easter, we are beginning a new series. Uh, and it's a series journeying through the book of Galatians. Uh, we've been toying with what do we call it, and, and we've had all sorts of ideas around a theme and a name, and we've eventually landed as a pastoral team on the theme of rethinking freedom. A rethinking freedom. And I know that that series through Galatians is going to have a deep impact and be truly powerful uh, for each one of us. You know, when we think of freedom, when we think of what does that mean, what does that conjure up, and, and even nowadays it conjures up all sorts of thoughts in our minds. Uh, and so I know that you're going to want to join us for that. Today, as you heard, is Palm Sunday. Uh, it's the Sunday that prepares us for Easter weekend. And the reason we speak of Palm Sunday is we find it in Matthew chapter 21. Uh, so this morning, before we celebrate with the baptisms, I, I want to spend just a few moments considering Palm Sunday and considering what the scriptures teach us and why we celebrate and why we sing Hosanna. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew 21. Uh, it will be up on the screen as well. And we'll be reading from verse 1 through to 11. So if you've got that in your Bibles, whether it's on your phone or the paper Bible in front of you, I don't really mind as long as you're reading something uh, and not, you know, the latest sports results or anything like that. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11 says to us, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of him, them, and immediately he will send them. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, 
a cult, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Your Palm Sunday, as a recognized practice, only really started in the life of the church really around about 300 years after the birth of Jesus, or after the birth of the church, I should say. And over the centuries, many churches have picked it up as a way to prepare for Passion Week, as a way to prepare for this week that marks the, the culmination in the crucifixion and then resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Palm Sunday itself was really all about the Passover. It marked that time when the people would come to Jerusalem in preparation for the coming Passover and they would bring with them their lambs and they would, they would bring their sacrifices to the, to the temple. And in bringing those sacrifices to be inspected, there would be celebration and there would be enthusiasm and there would be kind of joy in the streets and joy in the homes as people anticipated this feast that's coming. And so where there's all this excitement and there's all, the, all these people, it's into this scene that Jesus enters. Now, Jesus comes riding in on the back of a donkey. And so the people kind of wave palm branches. And as we just read, they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the reason they're doing that is because the people are looking for a leader. The people are looking for someone who will bring them freedom from the Roman government. This image is, is steeped in their tradition. It's steeped in their theology. It's steeped in their understanding. And so Jesus, who over the last few years has been working miracles, has been feeding multitudes, has been teaching with authority and power, the crowds recognize, here comes someone who just might liberate us from our Roman oppressors. And so they declare and they shy, cry out, Hosanna. You know, a Passover is a time when the Jewish nation celebrated their identity. It's a time when they became passionate about who they were. That image of waving palm branches, we might look at that and sort of wonder, why on earth would you be waving just palm branches? And there's a biblical reason to that. But for us who try and understand it, it might be like you know, going to a BC place during the Vancouver Sevens when all the rugby teams from around the world hope to beat South Africa, and they always fail at that. <laughs> Although we lost yesterday to our nemesis, Fiji, so such is life. But it's much like people who come to something like that, and they show their allegiance by waving their country's flag. 
And they have their country's flag plastered on everything to show this is who we are. We're proud of who we are. It doesn't matter that so many of us might live in Vancouver and we might call Canada home, but we wave our flag to acknowledge who we are. And this is what the Jewish nation did. Yes, they understood they were under Roman rule and Roman oppression, and they lived within the Roman Empire, but they waved their branches to show we are the people of God. We are the nation of Israel. And they were a patriotic people. Now, many scholars talk about during uh, this time of the Passover, as the Jewish nation returned to Jerusalem uh, for the Passover and for that celebration, the population of Jerusalem increased from about 500,000 to about 2 million people in just a few days. Can you imagine that? From a, a city of around 500,000 people, more than doubling to around 2 million people. And Israelites would open their homes to, to strangers in a sense to allow them to come and live and eat and celebrate and fellowship together with them. They would open their homes, but it was also a time when they would reflect on scriptures and they would think to themselves, perhaps this is the time when God will free us. They would be thinking of Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. This prophecy of the king riding in on a donkey. And now here we read in, in Matthew 21, Jesus does just that. And so it's understandable that the crowds might begin to think, here is our chosen one. Here is the one who will come and liberate us. But of course, you and I have the benefit of hindsight. We get to read the whole story in entirety, and we understand that Jesus comes in going, I have a different plan. I have a different plan of how I intend to save my people. And Jesus doesn't always come to save people from their circumstances. We understand from Scripture that Jesus came to save people from their sin. He came to save people from that separation of relationship with God. It doesn't mean Jesus isn't interested in our circumstances. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't intervene in those circumstances. But that's not the reason he came. He came to deal with that separation and that sin that keeps us apart from our Heavenly Father. In fact, it's interesting that even Jesus' disciples got that wrong. Even Jesus' disciples thought that he was going to be this political leader, this liberator. We read that in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 7. Uh, when they met together, they asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. And so the people, the nation of Israel, is looking for that lion. We sang about it a moment ago. They're looking for this roaring lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who will liberate them. And yet Jesus rides in as a lamb, a lamb prepared for slaughter. Yeah, I want to kind of look at that a little bit. Lauren spoke about that word, Hosanna. And Lauren, I'm a little disappointed you don't use the word Hosanna more often. Uh, everyone else does. Um, no, we don't. We don't. Hosanna is a, a Greek word that comes from the Hebrew. Uh, the Hebrew phrase, Hoshia Na, which we've transliterated into Hosanna. Uh, it's a Hebrew phrase that's found one place in the entirety of the Old Testament. In Psalm 118, verse 25. 
And in Psalm 118, verse 25, this Hoshia Na is a declaration or a cry, sorry, that says, save me, please. Save us, please. It's a cry for help. It's a little bit like if you cannot swim and somebody pushes you into a pool or pushes you into a body of water. And as you kind of come back up, you shouting, save me, help, someone rescue me. That's the image of this Hosanna that we sing, save me. But over the years, as Israel began to use this phrase in in regular language, it, it slowly changed. The meaning and the reason it changed is because in that psalm, that save me please is immediately followed by that phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that cry for help starts to be seen as this cry has an answer. So even though I'm crying, save me, please, there will come someone who will save me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because he will save me. And so instead of being that shout for help, slowly it became a shout to mean salvation. Salvation is here. My rescue is here. In fact, if I stick with that theme of being pushed into the water and and you come up and you shout, save me, help, it changes because now as a lifeguard or as a friend or as a maybe the friend who pushed you in in the first place jumps in to rescue you, you begin to declare, here is my Savior. Here is the one who will rescue me. And so this word, by the time we get to Jesus' time, as the nation of Israel are using it, really what they're saying is, yay for salvation. It's coming. It is here. Our salvation is within reach. And so, Hosanna to the Son of David means the Son of David is our salvation. Salvation belongs to the King. Salvation comes from this King. Salvation is given to us by the Son of David. And I believe the crowds who welcomed Jesus, the crowds who who sang Hosanna, genuinely believed that Jesus had come to save them. I believe they they genuinely thought this individual, uh, this teacher, this rabbi who's coming in on this donkey, indeed, he's the one that's going to save us. But of course, they kind of had a different view of how salvation would come about. As God's plan radically shows us, Over the next week. And we cannot separate Palm Sunday and Easter from this image of the Passover. You see, it's it's four days before the Passover begins. And so the people of Israel would come into Jerusalem and they would bring their lambs, they would bring their sacrifices, and they would bring them into the temple to the priest. And the priest would inspect those animals. Because any animal that was brought for a sacrifice had to be without defect. It had to be a perfect offering. And so the priest would inspect it and make sure that it was unblemished. And we know from reading through scriptures that in Jesus' day, the priesthood was corrupt. And many a a family would bring their animal with them and they would travel great distance. And by the time they get to the temple in Jerusalem, perhaps the animal was a little bit dusty from being on the road or perhaps a little parched and thirsty uh, and comes into the temple. And as the priests would inspect them, of course, they would find defects and they would find problems. And so the families would be forced to sell those animals at a fraction of the price because they're defective. Oh, but don't worry, we've got animals here in the temple for you. 
They're perfect. And they would charge exorbitant prices and they would extort the nation of Israel. And that's why Jesus elsewhere flips the tables in the temples. And he gets angry at the exploitation of his people. He gets angry at this priesthood that have missed the mark and, and they're using it for their own exploitation and their own kind of financial increase. But on this day, Palm Sunday, a lamb is chosen by a priest. And the priest leads this lamb into Jerusalem. And as the priest leads this lamb into Jerusalem, so the worshipers would worship and wave their palm branches. In fact, some scholars believe that it's likely that Jesus either entered in soon after or just before the priest was due to lead that lamb through the city. And this is why the people are ready with their palm branches. They're ready for the usual traditional practice. They're ready to shout for this lamb that comes through. And yet now the true lamb, the lamb that takes the sin of the world, comes through. And the crowds are enthusiastic. You see, the crowds understood that it would be from Jerusalem where salvation would come. They understood that it would be in Jerusalem where the Messiah, their anointed one, would be enthroned as king. And so everyone is thinking about this. Everyone has this in the back of their mind. Perhaps this year our Messiah will come. They know their scriptures. And in comes this rabbi riding on the back of a colt. And they know right there, here comes, here comes our Messiah. Here comes our salvation. And it's so wrapped up in this idea of Passover. And Jesus comes in and he presents himself to the priests. And you kind of might go, what do you, what do you mean Jesus presents himself? I don't remember that. Well, we read in Scripture that as Jesus came into Jerusalem, he would teach. And in so teaching, he would present himself. And he would be tested by the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And none of them could find any blemish or any fault or any reason for any accusation against him. He was indeed this lamb without blemish presenting himself. And we read in the book of Exodus, in the second book in the Old Testament, where uh, as uh, the nation of Israel is now under subjugation by Egypt and the, their prisoners... And they're held in slavery and they're held against their will. And God comes in and he delivers his people. And we read in Exodus how the tenth and final plague, God commands that the firstborn in every house will be executed and will die. Except for those who take the blood of a lamb and they dip their hyssop branch and they put blood on the top of the doorframe and to the left and the right of the doorframes. And those homes that have the blood of the lamb over them, so that angel of death would pass over that home. And they would be spared and they would receive life. And Jesus shows himself as our Passover lamb. That's what we acknowledge next week as we reflect in communion, as we reflect on Good Friday, that Jesus is killed, Jesus is sacrificed for our sake. Jesus becomes the lamb who is sacrificed and the blood is washed over us so that that angel of death passes over us. I don't know where you stand in your understanding of God. I don't know where you stand in relationship to Jesus Christ, but I know you're not here by accident. I know you're not here this morning by mistake just simply to watch some friend get wet in a few moments. 
You're here because God has ordained and allowed you to be here this morning. And as we come to Easter, I ask, are you ready for Easter? Are you ready for this time when we reflect and remember our Savior's death? You know, that that word Passover, it carries this idea of being shielded, of being protected. I think this gives meaning to Jesus' words later on in Matthew 23. You see, in Matthew 23, Jesus cries out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather, uh, gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you again, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was saying that Jerusalem needed that protection. And he was here to be that shield and to give that protection. My friends, that still rings true for every one of us. Jesus still longs to call and to bring each one of us under his protection, under his shield, under his wings, as it were, in that tender sense of drawing us close to him. The people of Israel lived with this high messianic expectation, believing that God would send the Messiah to them. Jesus comes in, and he fit that theme. The nation of Israel saw in Jesus what they wanted to see as the Messiah. They wanted to celebrate him as the king, who would finally free them from the oppression of the Romans. Yet they didn't understand. Jesus wasn't interested in just the Roman Empire. Jesus was interested in the whole world. Jesus was interested in every single man, woman, and child. And even at that time, though you and I were not yet born, Jesus knew about us. And Jesus was interested in saving us. And so just as the Israelites hoped that God would rally up their Messiah, so Jesus comes and says, I am the Messiah over all the nations, over all of those who will come under my wing. And so as Jesus comes in, the nation of Israel cry out, Hosanna, little realizing the full truth of what they're saying. Little realizing the full ramifications, the full historic impact that this Messiah coming in as a lamb would indeed be slaughtered for the sins of the world. Hosanna has become more than just a a cry for help. Hosanna is a cry for celebration that our help is here and that our help is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. As I close off this morning, please know today, Jesus understands your circumstances. Jesus understands the life you're in. Jesus sees the pain you might be experiencing. And while it breaks his heart, and while he is unaware of that, he isn't just here to save you from circumstances. Jesus is here to offer us full, redemptive, eternal life. And we can receive that life 
when we cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save me and save my life. As we come into this Easter experience, will you cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King? Let's pray together. Jesus, as we reflect on Palm Sunday, we're blown away at just the significance and, and the incredible way you moved through that. And just as the nation of Israel understood this lamb coming in, of which their sins would be placed, that would ultimately be sacrificed. We now read through Scripture and we realize uh, every year that lamb coming in was pointing to the true lamb who would one day come to take away the sin of the world for all. And that lamb was Jesus Christ. And so in this Palm Sunday, as we reflect Jesus of you coming in, offering life, offering protection, offering redemption, offering forgiveness of sins, again we cry out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you take our sin so that we might be reconciled into relationship with our Heavenly Father. We praise you and we give you glory, for you are good and you are God. Amen. Amen.